rather lengthy message. I debated whether to preach or just talk to you about some things tonight. And I got to looking at this next outline. I thought, well, you know, that's, that's a pretty long one for a Sunday morning service. So I thought, well, why not just split, split the outline up into uh, two parts and we'll start it tonight. So I want you to stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. I want us to go to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And I'm going to read these verses. I normally don't read several verses, but I just feel like these are so important. And they're verses that uh, we're going to be looking at tonight and next Sunday morning, the Lord willing. So let's look at Revelation chapter 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now just, just listen to this very, very closely. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as was wounded to death. Now watch this. It's very important. I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death. In other words, he should have died. And his deadly wound, the wound that should have killed him, was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven that's me and you we're up there at this judgment seat of the Lamb while all that's going on. Remember, this is going on down here on earth. But he's blaspheming, he's hurling blasphemies at us that are in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names, watch this, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And I want to talk to you out of those verses for a little while tonight and we'll finish it up next Sunday morning. I want to talk to you for a little while about the beast. The beast that is going to come. Father, we pray that you will guide our thoughts tonight. Lord, you know that we are wading in deep waters here. We are wading in, in deep and dark and sometimes mysterious things. And yet things that are surely coming on this earth. And things that we surely need to know about and need to be aware of. So Lord, I just pray in these next few minutes that you will grant to me the divine illumination that I need to rightly divide the word of truth 
and to say to this people the things that need to be said in a way that can be understood and can be received and that we can think about in the days to come. Father, I just ask for your guidance tonight. We thank you for what you've already done in this sanctuary today, for saving the lost and stirring our hearts the way you did this morning. Lord, I just pray that once again you will move here in this place tonight and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. In our message this morning, you remember that we turned our attention to what is going to be transpiring here on this earth. You remember I told you, and I want to say it again, and I'll probably say it again, because it's easy sometimes to, if you're not careful, to get these things confused and to say, well, now, I thought this was going on, and I thought that. Remember, from this point on, there are actually three stages. Just imagine all this is playing out on a big stage. There are three stages that are in action at one time. There are things going on in heaven. And there are things at the same time that are going on on earth. And there are things at the same time that's going on in hell. And the book of the Revelation outlines all of that for us. Many of them are simultaneous events. While one is going on there, something else is going on here. And while something's going on here, something else may be going on in hell. So what we're going to do and have done today already is move our attention. Last Sunday we were in the heavens. Today we have come back to earth. The time that we're looking at now and the thing that is beginning to transpire, as I told you this morning, is the time that the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. Broken seals, trumpets, vials of judgment, all of these things are going to usher in a time of trouble like the world has never seen before and like it will never see again. I don't know about you, but I hope you picked up this morning how much that gets a hold of me to even try to think about it. There have been some awful things that's happened in this world. And for the Bible to say that these things that are getting ready to happen during the tribulation are unlike anything this world has ever seen. And unlike anything it is going to see again. These things are about to break loose on the earth. Now what I want us to do tonight, and, and next Sunday morning we'll finish this part, I want us to look at one of the major personalities of this tribulation period. Because all of this that's going to happen during the tribulation is going to be guided and directed by three major personalities. Of course, ultimately, God himself is in control of it all. God himself is directing the last days. But here on this earth, there are going to be three major personalities we're going to discover as we move along that are going to be directing what's going on here 
on planet earth. The Bible teaches us that during this great tribulation, a human being is going to emerge who will be one of the primary characters in this drama that is unfolding. The writers of the sacred scripture give him several names and you need to be aware of all of them. Because sometimes he's called this and sometimes he's called that. The Bible calls him the man of sin. The Bible also calls him the son of perdition. The Bible calls him the wicked one. And in the text that I read tonight, he is called the beast. But perhaps the most descriptive title and the one that you might be the best familiar with is the one where he is labeled the Antichrist. The Antichrist. He is going to be one of the major characters in the events of the Great Tribulation. And his coming and much of his activity is what is outlined here in Revelation 13. Much of his activity, his coming, what's going to be happening, much of it is outlined right here. Let's see what the scriptures tell us about him and about what he's going to be doing. There are four major things that are listed here, four major categories of activity. We'll cover two of them tonight, the Lord willing. First of all, the text talks about his sudden appearance. His sudden appearance. It seems like he's going to appear on this earth suddenly. I hear people sometimes surmising now that the Antichrist is already here. I don't think that's true. I think the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in this world. I don't question that the spirit of Antichrist is certainly working on this planet right now. But I do not believe the Antichrist himself is here because the Bible talks about him suddenly appearing. Now, it could be that, that, that and this is something the Bible doesn't tell us, whether he's born and grows up just like a normal human being to, to adulthood, I guess if that's true, that maybe he could be here for a number of years before he suddenly rises up. But I think he's going to appear as a full-blown beast. I think he's going to appear as a full-grown man. I don't know that, and the Bible isn't clear. But suddenly the Bible says he appears. Verse 1 of my text says that he rises up out of the sea. Now, Revelation 17, 15 tells us that the sea is not the ocean. When it says he rises up out of the sea, don't think ocean. The word sea in this context represents people and multitudes, nations and tongues. In other words, it's the sea of humanity. All of a sudden, out of the vast sea of humanity... Somewhere on this planet, this man is going to arise. This man is just suddenly going to come on the scene. Out of nowhere, as it were, he's going to rise up, John said, out of the sea. He will arise out of the sea 
seething sea of humanity. And when he does, he's going to emerge as a world leader. He's going to emerge as a great political savior. How many of you know the world at that time will be ready for him? In fact, how many of you know the world to a great extent is ready for him right now? How many of you know the world's actually calling for him right now? Do you listen to the news? This whole thing of a one world government, this whole thing of everybody coming together, this whole thing that, that I think it's much further along than most of us realize. I think the politicians and the people that are behind all these, I think, they, I think they're moving it along much more than we know. I think the ultimate goal of, of the politicians and the, and the political world and, 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 and the world will call it. The ultimate goal is one world government. The ultimate goal is right where the Bible says we're headed. And do you understand that there's really already a cry? The world is already looking for somebody like this. The world is already looking for somebody that can rise up and fix all of our problems. There's a cry today for this man. There's actually already a cry for this man to appear, this beast to appear. It's already being cried. Listen to a couple statements. Arnold Toynbee, the great historian, made this statement. He said, by forcing on mankind more and more lethal weapons, and at the same time making the world more interdependent economically, technology has brought mankind to such a degree of distress that we, listen to this, we are ripe for any new Caesar that might succeed in giving the world unity and peace. You hear that? One of the great historians saying we are right, we are ready for any new Caesar, any man that can appear and give us unity and peace, we'll embrace him and we're ready for him. Folks, that's where this world is headed. And one of these days, he's going to rise up out of the sea of humanity and say, here I am. And the world, another European statesman not long ago made this statement. Now listen, I, this is one I just can't hardly take in. He said, if the devil could offer a solution to the problems of the world, I would gladly follow the devil. Did you hear that? That's, that's the way people are beginning to think. This world is already getting ripe and ready for what 2,000 years ago God showed John out on the Isle of Patmos <laughs> and said it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. The world is ready. The world is getting ready for this man to appear. And so this Antichrist is going to burst on the scene as a great leader for which the world has been searching.
This Antichrist is going to suddenly burst on the scene. He, he's going to suddenly just appear. And the world has been waiting for him, will be ready for him, has been searching for him. When he makes this sudden appearance, watch this. When he makes this sudden appearance that we're talking about, the world will be ready to follow him. There'll be no question. When he suddenly rises up, and I, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how he's going to rise up, what form, probably in some governmental something, I don't know. But when he rises up, the world will be ready to follow him. So, first of all, John points us to his sudden appearance. He's going to suddenly appear and the world will be ready. We'll be in heaven if you're ready to meet Jesus. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about this rascal <laughs> if you're ready to meet him. But suddenly he's going to appear. This is what's going to be going on on the earth now. Remember, we know what's going on in heaven. This is now going on on the earth. The second point we'll cover tonight. Look at the seductive appeal of the beast. We've looked at his sudden appearance. Look at the seductive appeal of the beast. Why will the world follow him? Verses 3 and 4 says that I read that the whole world is going to follow him. The whole world is just going to go bananas over this guy. The whole world is just going to go ape over this guy. I mean, they're going to, whoa, wow, finally, finally. And the whole world is going to go after him. There will be a seductive appeal to him. Now, why is that true? The Bible gives three reasons. Let's cover them. It says, first of all, he will be very appealing in the eyes of this world. He will be very appealing to, to the world. I need to explain that. When the Bible calls him the beast here and describes in figurative language, don't think about him actually appearing as a beast. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about his looks. This language here is imagery language that speaks of his nature. This beast language speaks of his hidden nature. It doesn't speak of his looks. The world wouldn't follow a beast like this. This describes his inner nature. It, it, it describes his hidden nature. Remember, the devil appears as an angel of light. You know if the devil walked in here tonight, every one of you would probably think, Whoa, hey, handsome. You laugh. You would. Do you, do, you, do you really think the devil walks around the fork and tail and the pitchfork and is bright red? The devil walked in here tonight. I dare say every one of us would think, whoa, where did he come from? Wow, isn't he a handsome fellow? Daddy's grabby girls. The devil appears as an angel of light. So this beast will appear not as a beast. He's going to appear as a handsome 
charming, clever, extremely intelligent, persuasive speaker. He will be handsome. He'll be charming. He'll be clever. He'll be extremely intelligent. And man, he'll be the man that knows how to give a speech and have a crowd on their feet in 30 seconds. He will be so attractive. And he will be exactly what this world is crying for and calling for and looking for. He will be exactly to the T what this world is looking for. Then notice secondly, that he's going to benefit from some devilish manipulation. He's not only very attractive and very appealing, but he is going to benefit from some devilish manipulation. Not too long after he appears, it it seems that he's going to suffer some kind of deadly wound. I don't know, would, would maybe somebody try to assassinate him? I kind of feel that, find that hard to believe because of the way the world's going to accept him. But, but I guess there could be some nut around that, you know. But somehow he's going to receive a, a wound unto death. He's going to receive a wound a wound that ought to kill him. There's going to, the Bible calls it a mortal wound. He is mortally wounded. That means he ought to die. In fact, some Bible scholars believe that maybe he does and is, and is almost immediately resurrected. I don't know that part. That's, that's, but just he, he is mortally wounded, but suddenly, suddenly, Another beast, another person comes along and this man is miraculously healed. He is miraculously restored and he stands as if he was never wounded at all. And then you know what the world's going to say when they see that? They're going to say, who is like unto the beast? Who can make war with him? Here's this man that just had his brains maybe practically blown out. Suddenly he stands and he's healed. Who can do war? Who can mess with a man like that? And the world again will go after him. The third reason that the world will respond to him in the way they're going to the third appeal that he will have, not only will he be appealing and attractive, not only will he use devilish manipulation, but he's also going to be the greatest peacemaker the world has ever seen. Now notice how I put that. The world has ever seen. Jesus is the greatest peacemaker ultimately, but the world's never seen him in that role. The world saw him as Savior, bleeding and dying on a cross. But this man is going to appear. He's going to appear as the greatest peacemaker. In fact, the Bible says in Daniel 8.25 that with peace he will destroy many. With peace. He'll use peace as a mask. He'll use peace as a cover. And destroy many. 
for a brief period of time as he starts his rule, it will appear that the whole world is at peace. And the world is basically going to say, our Messiah has come. There is peace on earth. Hail to the beast. Hail to the beast. They're going to worship him and according to the text in verse 4, they're going to worship the dragon, the devil, we'll talk about him later, who gives this man the authority. They'll worship the beast and they'll worship the dragon. They'll worship the Antichrist and the devil that gives him his power and gives him his authority. And the stage is now set for the full-blown revelation. The stage is now set for the full-blown tribulation. The stage is now set. The clock of the Gentiles and the church has stopped ticking. And the clock of those last seven years we talked about this morning has started ticking. The last seven years of earth as we know it. The last seven years of human history as we know it have started ticking. And a great world leader will arise to take care of it. And I'm going to stop there. Quit your appetite for next Sunday morning.